So 88 appearances and 48 goals in a barnstorming two-year spell at the county ground. Tonight's headline guest is Swindon Town's post-war goal-scoring record holder and remains our record transfer fee received with his hero status and Player of the Year award in 08-09 in SM1 attracting a whopping 1.9 million sale to West Bromwich Albion. Even if it meant the shoe waivers down the road pocketed a tidy 40% of that, that weren't a bad deal for town. Um, Departed for the Midlands in 2009, our guest would go on to enjoy a decorated professional career as he delighted fans of the Baggies, Forest, Southend, Reading and of course the Republic of Ireland for whom he's won 30 caps and for whom he won a Nations Cup in 2011. Well, our guest wrapped up his career with a season down under at Western Sydney Wanderers and despite much clamour for a final go in a town shirt, he chose to hang up his boots just ahead of the 2022 23 season. Well, esteemed listeners, I give you Simon Richard Cox. However, Simon Richard Cox has just dropped me a line to say he's having slight technical problems his end. So whilst I beaver away in the background, I'm going to just make sure that Jay, Chris and Mike are all with me. Guys, are you all there? Yep. I'm here. How are you guys? And Coxie's on. Good evening, Coxie. How are you, mate? Well, Coxie's on as a speaker, so I don't know whether or not Coxie can hear us. Coxie's at the Madstad tonight, that much I know. So I don't know whether that's contributing to any technical problems he's having, or whether we're, beyond, we're being sabotaged by um, the, Reading, um, the, the, the Reading Gremlins. Um, we're going to keep persevering with you, Coxie. Can you hear us at all, buddy? Jay, let me just tie back hear, in with mate. you. I can hear. Ah, uh, hello, Coxie. How are you, pal? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well. You've just missed the intro of all intros. I'm gutted. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you'll have to send it to me because if it wasn't any good, then I don't want to hear it. But if it was great, I'd never send it to you. <laughs> Coxie, it was a glowing tribute. How's things at the Madstad tonight, mate? You've got a busy night ahead of you. Oh, yeah, brought a little one down to watch. Uh, got invited down for, for an evening in. So, uh, yeah. Decided to bring her down and uh, have a little watch. So they're, they're doing all right, mate. They're doing all right. I know that's probably not what uh, Swindon fans want to hear right now, but yeah, they're doing all right. <laughs> Don't you worry, mate. Don't you worry. We'll allow it for one evening and one evening only. <laughs> Simon, listen, I'll, I'll introduce you to the co-panel tonight. Um, Jay, Simon, Simon, Jay. Hey, mate. You're right, Simon. How's it going, bud? Nice to meet you. I'm good, mate. And you? Uh, Simon, also joining me is Chris Phillips. Chris, Simon, Simon, Chris. Hey, Chris. Uh, evening, Coxie. How's it going? Oh, good, mate. All good, my friend. Thank you. And finally, Coxie, we've got Mike, Michael Coxie. Coxie, Michael. Hey, right, Coxie, Michael. nice to have you on show, mate. Hey, great. So, listen... So, so listen, Coxie, we're just going to indulge you tonight. You're going to tell us you're the best of the best of everything. We have been literally sent a myriad questions for you tonight, pal. So I'm going to get the ball rolling without further ado because we've we've got we've got Charlie Austin jumping on to give you some banter in about half an hour. So um, we're going to have a we're going to have a little interlude in in between times while he teases you about Australia. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, so, he's, uh, so he's Coxie, all right to be fair. So he's all right. Yeah, he's made a pretty he's made a pretty bright style. I think he's acclimatizing to life down there, Coxie. Well, listen, mate, yeah. I've, I've got the first question for you, Coxie. And the first question is this: Who was your best ever team uh, teammate at town? Uh, 
probably Billy Painter. Well, I'd say Billy Painter, just purely and simply on the basis that, like, obviously, we got on really well on the pitch, but we played golf off it. Um, you know, we had loads of nights out. We had, uh, we just got on really well. So I'd probably say him. You know, he's always at the brunt of most things as well, which is always nice. And, and for somebody like myself, who at the time at Swindon, like, you know, big man, small man sort of uh, partnership, he was the he was the perfect partner for me. All right, he's got so he's got a story or two, young paints. I think um, <laughs> were you were you were you part of the uh, were you Cheltenham. part of the shenanigans in? Um... <laughs> yes, Cheltenham. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew the question before you'd even started. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I'd, I'd left at that point. I'd left at that point. But I, I, uh, I was actually there though. I was there and I viewed it from uh, from my viewing point at the time, which was uh, which was quite funny to see. A pretty naked Billy Painter running down the last furlong of Cheltenham. <laughs> well, all right, mate. Well, we won't. We, we've had that story told. We've had var- <laughs> we've had um, several variants of it, mate, and uh, each each one of them gets better and better. But uh, Chris, move us along swiftly. <laughs> move us along swiftly. All right, Simon. Then during your um, your time with with Swindon, who were the best away fans you encountered? Oh. Um... Do you know what? From it was probably like my last game of the season, the last game I played, which was Peterborough away. You know, they'd been promoted uh, that day, and we'd stayed up, and and it was a. Uh, I think I think the game ended up two each, something like that. Um, so everyone was happy in terms of the result and everyone was pretty good in terms of like the game. So I think it was just a really good atmosphere on the day. So it made for a really good game as well. The fact that, you know, we scored a couple, they scored a couple, I know it wasn't a winner, but it was just a really good, uh, a good day out. What what about from an island point of view, Coxie, when you were away with Ireland, were there any sort, was there any nations in particular that sort of blew your mind? Um... Listen, I was fortunate, do you know what I mean? Like, going to the Euros and things like that. So, like, just the Irish fans going to, like, Euro 20, uh, 2012 was unbelievable. Things like, you know, it's well-documented, well-spoken about, like, after the Spain game, just been slapped up four, five. Um, and the Ireland fans stay for half an hour, 45 minutes after the in the fields of Africa. I mean, so it's... it's uh, they're they they're just a like different breed, and they they go to tournaments not not expecting to do really well, but hoping to do really well. But they go for the enjoyment of the tournament. Yeah. Well, Coxie, I've got a foot in both camps, mate. You can probably tell from the surname Hanrahan is not uh, doesn't hail from South East London, even if I physically do. So yes, mate. No, I completely agree with you. They're, they're a wonderful group of supporters to go away with. Yeah. But um. Mike, Mike, move us along, mate. What have we got next? So, Coxie, um, next question is, who's your best mate in football, like, or best friend? Uh, it changes, I'll be honest. It changes from club to club. And since since retiring, a lot of the ones I thought were really good mates now don't really pick up the phone. So, it's... Uh, it's oh, no. Uh, no, but it happens, mate. Do you know what I mean? It, it's one of those where... Um, when you retire, you go through football. If you're lucky enough, like I did, you play 
uh, sort of 16, 17 years and you play with uh, 25, 30, 30 players and over a course of six or seven clubs, all of a sudden you're talking, you know, 200, 250 players. So um, yeah. the fact is you, you're not going to be friends with all of them. Um, you're going to pick your select ones. But when you retire, people go on their different journeys and everybody understands that. You try and keep in contact with people as best you can, but you go on your different life journey. Uh, but I've got some some good friends in that who've come probably later on in my career, to be honest. And from where I live now, there's a few that are still knocking about. So I'd probably say there's like Anton Ferdinand, who I played with at Reading and uh, who came to South End at the time as well. So he's still there. Um around the area that I live in. Um, and there's a couple from sort of South End days that are, um, are good friends of mine that we sort of catch up quite regularly. Uh, Jay, you got the next one, I believe. Yeah. Um, so just jumping back to uh, talking about the fans, really. Um, what's the best chart that, people, that uh, some fans of some of a club or of maybe, or maybe a national side um, that the fans have come up for, for you? Uh, what's the best song for you that you've had? Well, as you can imagine, with a surname like I have, uh, there's been some funny ones. Um, what, what, what do you mean? I, I, yeah, yeah, uh, Simon, yeah. yeah, we're all clean-minded on this show, buddy. Of course, yeah. Well, it was funny. When I was with Ireland, there was a banner that went around. Uh, it was it went along the lines of, like, fuck Iniesta, we've got long cocks. So, <laughs> we, had Shane, we had Shane Long and myself, so... You know, it was it was quite that was quite interesting. That's um, funny. So yeah, like I I think I I got some. It's very I think it's very difficult to have a really really good chant with a surname like I do um, compared to some who have got like quite interesting surnames. So uh, I I just I quite enjoyed that one the the long cocks one. I thought it was quite a nice one. <laughs> and if you if you if the answer to this is no, I'm gonna be disappointed. But do you have a a, a photo of that banner printed out in your house? Yeah, I'm oh, not in the house. No, I've got I've got I've got it uh, I've got it on my phone now. <laughs> well, Coxie, 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 you're talking to the right people. I've got a sneaky feeling at the uh, Swindon game, maybe not this Saturday, but certainly in a week or two's time, there may well be a banner in the town in that reads hashtag TSTBL, the show that loves Cox. <laughs> Hey, fair, listen, why not? Fair one. Yeah, fair, why not? <laughs> um, all right, then. so next one's from me, Coxie. What's your best ever football memory? Um, best football memory? Um, I think, do you know what? I, I'd probably have to say, like, the debut. Debut's always got to stand out because if you don't have that, you don't start a career. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. as much as you go on and do some really good things in, in your career and you get a chance to to play at some top levels in the Premier League and the internationals, and I was, like, like I say, fortunate enough I went off to, to um, Euro 2012. But it, that no, none of that would have been possible if, uh, if I hadn't gone and uh, made my debut for Reading against Luton in the, uh, in the League Cup. That sounds fair enough to me. Right, what we got next? We have got... Uh, Chris, you've got the next one. All right, Cox. See then, what is the best thing that has been said to you by a fan? The best thing that's been said to me by a fan? Um... Football fail, surely. 
Whether that, that could be a poolside encounter on holiday, Simon, that could be in a bar, that could be in a stadium, it doesn't matter. What's, oh, is there anything that's ever like made your heart sing? Not, no, but it's made me laugh. Is So it was the, so obviously went to the, went to the Euros, right? Played in, I was lucky enough to play in all three games of the Euros and then went off on holiday to Thailand, right? And I sat and watched the European Championship final at a beach bar in Thailand next to two Irish fans who were sat there and I obviously had a few drinks, so a bit worse from where, but they looked at me and they went, oh, have you been watching much of the uh, Euros? And I went, a little bit. And he went, yeah, we, we haven't done too well. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, not, not great. And he was like, yeah, but we did have Spain and Italy in our group. He said, and our players aren't great. And I was looking at him going, I've, I've played in all three of these games. And you're there, <laughs> you know, like, so that's maybe like the, the strangest thing that somebody's ever said to me. After playing in all three of the European Championship games, literally like a week before, and I was sat next to a fan and he, he doesn't even recognise who I am or that I've played in that in the, in those games. So that's probably like the strangest thing that's happened to me. <laughs> um, Mike, I believe you got the next one. Uh, so obviously you uh, you played and lived in Australia. Um, what was your uh, most interesting wildlife encounter? Do you have any like weird <laughs> animals or like that? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I never listen. I'm not. Uh, I'm not one of those people that gets excited about snakes and spiders and things like that. And I lived on the 26th and 27th floor, so that was. I was trying to be as far away from animal wildlife as possible. Although I did, I did remember getting. A, uh, they, we used to have an app that we all used to have to fill in in the morning, and it would allow the staff to put any sort of information on the uh, app possible that, that would help us for one reason or another and uh, I remember one piece of information coming through uh, early in the morning was that black snakes were spotted around the training ground and I was just like oh my God. fuck no <laughs> I, 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 I'm happy in my 26th floor apartment thank you very much <laughs> um, right what we got next uh, Jay you're on the next one quite a simple question this well, when, when you're talking about wildlife in Australia, you're not talking about Sydney FC, are you, or anything like that? I know, uh, I know, I know there's some allegiances out there. Yeah, yeah, no, um, the, uh, we had some good games against them. No, one of the uh, one of the only people who never took me beat in a derby, so I'm quite happy to take that on board. Nice, nice. <laughs> we might have to hire you for a, for a, a short one month loan in the years or something. Then, in that case, yeah. um, I'm just going to continue in the theme of off field, Coxie. Uh, what's the best motor, best car you've ever had? Oh, uh, do you know what? The best moment probably was a C63 AMG I used to used to have. It was unbelievable. Oh. Like, but I'll tell, tell you why. is because when I was at West Brom in the Premier League, we used to get ridiculous deals, ridiculous deals by Mercedes. They used to just like, pretty much like give them away to you. Um, so I remember going down there one day to a Mercedes garage and said, like, you know, I want to want to take one off you. And they were like, right, okay. And so he said, like, the VIP deal, blah, blah, all that stuff. He said, like, you put two grand down, and it was like 220 quid a month. And I was just like, oh my God, give me the fucking car now. Um, but that was probably the nicest car I had, but the, the, the stupidest car I ever had. I bought, do you remember, do you remember the, um, do you remember the TV series Entourage? 
Yep. Remember that series, yeah. like unbelievable series. Vinny Chase knocking about LA and like living the dream, like every every young man superstar would want to do, right? So I was in there. Uh, not, I wasn't in the show. I would have been unbelievable in the show. Um, but I I was watching that show, and for some reason, living in Birmingham, I thought, do you know what? I can resemble Vinny Chase, so I'm going to go and buy an Aston Martin. So I went and bought an Aston Martin uh, Vantage. Tried to cruise around Birmingham thinking that I was Vinny Chase. And it, was, it, was, it was probably the worst decision I ever made in my life. <laughs> two, good, two good cars. Two good cars. Good answers. Oh, so, yeah. Coxie, did the, did the C63 have the spoiler on the boot? Uh, well, yeah, I'd imagine so. They don't give you like the, they don't give you the rubbish version. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have, you would have known, pal. You would have known. Listen, Coxie. Next question from me, which is, um, again, off field. Um, we've been asked to ask you, what was your best pre-match meal? So my pre-match meal changed from home and away. So obviously, I lived in Reading when I played for like for Swindon. So uh, for home games. The time to travel and obviously be at the stadium for half one would be at the same time you would need to have your pre-match, right? So I used to travel and my pre-match routine for home games used to be uh, about four cans of Red Bull and some giant Cadbury's uh, uh, buttons. That was my home match routine, right? And then on away games, it used to be... (laughs) It used to be a chicken sandwich. Like, I'd go up to the, the, the buffet, I'd get a chicken breast, I'd cut it up, I'd put it in, uh, into into a sandwich and have some ketchup on it. That was my routine. <laughs> I'm picturing your club nutritionists just quitting on the spot. Just imagine the boys now doing that. Yeah, <laughs> they get a rollicking. Yeah, it was when I went to West Brom and they said, what's your pre-match routine? And I told them and the, and the guys basically looked at me and went, but well, that's going to change. <laughs> yeah, it's all changed a little bit now, fella. Yeah. Um, Chris, you've got the next one for Coxie. Uh, Simon, then, um, what's your best memory from your arrival at Swindon? Um, what, the loan period or the, or the signing? Uh, you... Well, a bit of both, really. Something that stands out from that you, that you can remember from either. Um, well, I'd, I'd obviously uh, I'd spoken to um, I'd spoken about going out on loan to to Reading, and I wanted to go to a football club that was. Uh, you know, renowned for good football that would probably get the best out of me. Um, and I understood about obviously Paul Sturrock and, and how we wanted to play and they liked to get presses into the box and stuff like that. So I like I like that about it. Um, but I think we played. I want to say we played Brentford in the uh, in a cup game, um, and I, I'm pretty sure I scored and. I remember doing an interview after and I was like, if I play like that and I don't get picked, I'm not going to be happy. And then I remember Paul Starrett coming up to me like the next day in training and he was like, don't ever do a fucking interview like that again. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh shit. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was like, the, like a, a welcome to sort of like 
what it's going to be like uh, at Swindon after like uh, uh, surrounding Paul Sturridge. So that was quite an interesting one. He was a character cop. He wasn't he, Luggy? Ah, uh, he's brilliant, mate. He was really good. Oh, listen, he was tough. He was tough because he. Uh, he, he ran us absolutely ragged on, on Tuesdays. You know, it was like cones in different areas of the training ground and go run and, and don't don't stop until I basically tell you. But he was great about getting people together. He was he had good staff around him. So he was he was brilliant, mate. He was really good. Mike, you've got the next one, uh, Power, I believe. Yep. Uh, so following on from Chris's question, have you got a standout memory from when you departed Swindon Town? Not a standout moment. I just I just remember like leaving obviously on good terms and listen, I never I remember having a really good relationship with the chairman Andrew Fitton, still talk to him now. Um, and I remember sitting down and I, I always said to him, Look, I'm never gonna cause an issue. We'll do the deal when it's when it's right for you, for me, you know, it's not a case of I'm desperate to leave. I understand that you're not going to be under pressure to sell me, but ultimately you want the best for me. And, and that was the best thing I think that happened for me. And I was able to say sort of like, the, like I say, that last game against Peterborough was my last game. And, and, and the fact that I scored a couple of goals as well, which was nice, you know, was able to like say, I think everybody knew at the ground and every, like I knew that that was probably going to be my last game. So it was nice to go out as a, you know, on a good time. Nice, Good Jay's got the next question for you, and this is a this has been a very very popular question, mate. Because <laughs> and I think you'll enjoy answering it as well. Yeah, there's been a there's been a few thrown around in the group chat, but um, best goal you you scored in a Swindon shirt? Uh, no, it's it's obviously going to be the uh, the Walsall goal. Um, Although, you know, I have a couple of favourites. Obviously, the back hill one where I was, you know, so far offside, they got given, which was ridiculous. Um, and, and probably, like, my chip for my second, I think, against Scunderford was a nice one. Um, so, yeah, I think I've got, a, you know, I've got a decent repertoire, to be fair, in a Swindon chair. It's quite nice. Well, there, was a, there was a few votes for... Uh... And about you in Birmingham as well. Yeah, obviously Birmingham wasn't in a Swindon shirt, though, was it? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, of course, yeah. Yeah, of course. Ab- absolutely. Uh, Simon, so what's, what, Simon, what's your recollections of that Fenerbahce goal? Do you have, is it still sort of fresh in the memory? Yeah, you don't forget goals like that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was great because obviously we were on pre-season and we knew we were going to play a game against like, a really top team and, and like, the fact that we got a chance to play against... I know he was there, like Carlos, and then like Kesman was there, and like it was unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Like it was actually probably one of the scariest. Like it was pre-season. It was a scary time because they basically bought loads of fans, and like if you know about the Turkish league, they they they're, mm. they're not like they don't just sit there and watch the game peacefully. You know, they they decide to bring flares and things like that to like a pre-season game. So you're sitting there, obviously playing the game, and you're going, "What on earth is going on here?" Um, but I just remember the the, uh, the the goal. Obviously, Jamie Vincent plays it into me. You know, God bless his soul. He's obviously not with us anymore. But um, you know, 
throws it into me. And, and the, what I was actually meaning to do was to flick it around the defender and have a little chase up with him. The fact that it went over his head and then it bounced really nicely. It was one of those that you look at and go, I can't not hit that. Yeah, that um, first touch is yeah, absolutely so I, sumptuous. So obviously it set up really nicely and then uh and then, you know, obviously it went in. So the fact that I just I just if I could change one thing, I wish it was in a league game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Oxy, to, to Jay's point about um the the Gulf of Forest against Birmingham, what I'm yeah. gonna guess that is one of, if not your best ever career goal. What about uh, like including all the clubs you've represented? Yeah, I'd say so, mate. I'd say that was like the best, the best goal in my career. I think um, uh, there's a bit of a story behind it in terms of like, okay, I went to, I went away with Ireland, came off injured, was on crutches for a couple of days, but really wanted to play in the game, um, and uh, I did like fitness tests Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Saturday morning. I had like the biggest like padding and strapping on my on my foot that you could ever see like even to a point like, like my boot didn't really fit my foot um so when the ball came over and I was on the bench um came on we were 2-0 down I think it was and, and I came on and and I just remember sort of running in behind and the ball stretching like stretching for it and I was able to cushion it and the fact that you know, who it is that's sort of running out, you know, England goalkeeper, Jack Butler, and I think just being able to lift it over him is in the same sort of movement was, it's always going to be, I think, the highlight of my, uh, my basketball. So, so the lesson, the lesson I'm taking away from that, if you want to have a nice cushioned first touch, strap, wrap, strap, your, your, ankle, wrap, really. strap your foot up, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Simon, there was us saying that you and Charlie had one thing in common. You both played the game. You had a touch like you were wearing your moccasins, and you basically did. You had you had about 50, 50 levels of strapping on. That was yeah, first one. It, yeah. It's ruined the dream. You've got to play the game, mate. It's like, it's like thinking that everyone's really good at it. Yeah, you've got to do everything you can. Right, who's got the next one? Uh, next question is from Chris. Right, Coxie. Um, what's the best thing that football has ever done for your family? give us a great start in life mate to be honest um, you know I was fortunate enough to, to go all around the world playing football you know uh, I'd earned some really good money he gave us a, a fantastic start in life um, so I think that's the best thing that we can ever have being able to provide some really nice things for, for my family and um, and yeah there's nothing I think that I'd change in that sense uh, listen I'd always want to earn a, a bit more money, but you, you can't always uh, do that. And I've, I've earned more than what a lot of people, uh, a lot of people do in possibly their lives, let alone you know in a, in a short term, uh, short career in football. Hey, listen, Coxie, I think I will speak for fans of pretty much all the clubs you represented, mate. On the off of Swindon fans, you earned every single penny, mate. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> and thank you, indeed. Um, who's uh, right? Who've we got next, Mike? You got the next one. Yep. So, um, who was who was your uh, best strike partner? Your favourite person to play at Bromley? Um, the the person I learnt the most off of probably Robbie King. Um, you know, played played thirty times for Ireland. Probably played twenty of those times for him. Um, I wish, I really do. I wish I would have. Um, had a few more years playing with him. I wish I would have been able to learn more from him. 
Um, that for obviously one reason or another that didn't happen. Um, but I wish I wish that was uh, or he was he was he was just like incredible. You guys, football people know what he's all about. He's, he's clever around the box. He's an animal inside the box. He's always Johnny on the spot and he's always alive in the box. And you don't score over a hundred Premier League goals if you're not a very good player. So uh, he was probably the one person I learned a lot of um, or a lot from. Sorry. Super player. And great longevity as well, Coxie, with Robbie Keane. Great longevity. Yeah. Um, Jay, you've got the next one? Yes. Um, let me scroll down quickly. Um, so, in terms of um, when you're playing on the field, what's what's the, the best shithousery you've seen? <laughs> um, I'd also like to hear about some of the shithouse, if you were uh, much of a shithouse getting in people's ears during the game. Huh. I was a little bit of a wind-up merchant early on in my career. As I got older, I got a little bit more uh, afraid of it because it's done by stuff on me. <laughs> um, what is the best shit housery? Um, oh, I don't know, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, let me come back to you on it. Let me have a think. I'll come back to you. <laughs> Don't think we're going to let you get away with that one, Coxie. Yeah, I might, have, I might have to tweet it in. I might have to tweet it in, but I don't, if I don't yeah, know right. by the end of the film. So uh, when Peaks was on, he was just he was just saying he um he just used to ask defenders what they were having for dinner if they were coming if they were staying down, spending the night. <laughs> <laughs> just innocent, yeah, you know, just get their get, get yeah. their head off the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you never yeah. had any Harry McCurdy moments. Oh no, that was brilliant though. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Watch it, watching that right. from the outside was brilliant. I, Coxie, I'll move us along. So, for Coxie, from one Irishman to another, um, what is your best international memory? Debut goal. Debut goal. Go on, mate. Talk us through it. Uh, Ireland obviously split into two, basically, Ireland, Northern Ireland. So, it's uh, probably, apart from England, probably the biggest rivalry they have. Um, so, to my debut, played in the, we beat them five nil uh, at the Aviva. Scored for, uh, scored the fifth one. Um, you know, dream debut. Uh, so yeah, I, I've got to say that that's got to be. But then you do that, you, and then also you have to follow up with playing at the Euros as well. But I think the debut one is, oh, I didn't expect to, to ever play for, for my country. Um, the fact that I was able to, and then the fact that I was able to score in my debut is like dreams, dreams come true, do you know what I mean? So, Coxie, you've already told us a brilliant Ireland fan story, but uh, Chris, you've got the next one. Well, just the uh, next one was, was really, what's, what is actually your best Ireland fan story um, in terms of, being away and whatnot. I think I think the Euros has got to be in because just just the whole the lead up to games, we would stay in the hotel with let's say for instance the game was on a Friday and Monday we'd be in the hotel and there'd be no one there. There might be the odd fan here and there. Um Tuesday there might be a couple more. Wednesday all of a sudden like, loads turn up. And then Thursday just the, the whole place is just mobbed. You don't get any sleep the night before. They're all in the bar at the hotel. They're all surrounding the hotel. Try and go for a walk Friday morning for, you, for the game and you, and you can't. 
you can't see in front of your face because ultimately there's loads of drunk people and they're all having a good time and enjoying the enjoying the, the place. So I think like just just that, do you know what I mean? Like they go and enjoy the whole spectacle of the of the, uh, of the tournament, and it just uh, it's just unbelievable to be a part of. So, Mike, you got the next one, fella. So, um, who, who, in your opinion, is the best striker to have played for Swindon since you played for Swindon? <laughs> uh, he's not on the call yet, is he? <laughs> I was just, I was just trying to see if he was. You yeah, don't have to, to you don't scroll. have to say that. I had, I had a quick scroll as well just before. Because uh, so <laughs> um... Doyle, I mean, Coxie, what I appreciate it's a little sort of further down the line from Charlie. But what, did you um, follow Owen Doyle's sort of exploits because he had your record under uh, real threat during the COVID season? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I always listen, goal scorers. You follow goal scorers all the time. Um, I remember just him scoring a hatful of goals. Um, but then, I don't know. I, I think the fact that, like, when I left and Charlie came in and the fact that Charlie had Billy and they were sort of dovetailing really nicely and they both end up with 20-plus goals in the season and they both end up doing really well, you have to probably say the two of those um, because I think that just their impact... Um, is, I'd say their impact in the team is probably greater than mine because I end up doing it as a solo. They end up doing it as a package, which is always nice. Yeah. So is there is there anyone on that on that line along those lines, Charlie? Is there anyone that's played for Swindon since you that you wish you could have partnered with? Like you know, just watching them play and go, God, that would have been a dream partnership. Um. Because I could see you working brilliantly with Jerry Yates. I, I played in that game the other day, uh, the other week with Sam Parkin. Uh, he would have been quite interesting to play with. He's still got it, hasn't he, as well, Sammy? Yeah, although I teed one up at the back stick and I was expecting to come and like s- like steam training at the back post and he just didn't have it in the end. <laughs> so he no, he's, still, he's still pretty sharp, to be fair to him. <laughs> uh, Jay, you got the next one, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Sir Peacock has already been mentioned, uh, and he's set the bar very high for answers to this one. But, um, what's the best prank you've played on a teammate or one you've been witness to? It's, uh, oh, it's, and, uh, and uh, Mr. Austin has just joined us, by the way, I believe. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't one for pranks when I was there, but I remember just. Like Billy, Billy and Michael Timlin were always at the forefront of them. So just like because we used to have like the you know like the long baths and stuff, like the individual baths. So we used to have them in the showers. Yeah. And then I remember just going in there, and like, people would just be looking at them, and you'd be wondering why they're looking and no one's in them. And it's because they've probably gone on and pissed in them. Do you know what I mean? Waiting wait for the next person to come in, and I'm just like, oh, so you know. So that's probably the one thing that oh, you remember most about, like the pranks and stuff. Oh, absolutely, great. There's we've heard some urine stories from your roughly around your time, Coxie. There are absolutely <laughs> some absolute monsters on in that dressing. Yeah, but look, we'll yeah, bring them. Um, we'll. we'll, 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 we'll 
we'll slide into our interlude and we'll try and bring Charlie online. Charlie, evening, buddy. Uh, morning for you. How are you, Chief? Charlie, can you hear us, bud? Hello, mate. You got me? Yeah, we've got you. Yeah. We've got Coxie at the Mad Stad tonight, believe it or not. Oh, what a shit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that because you got released at years old. I can, mate. I can. Horrible place. <laughs> Horrible place, Coxie. Horrible place. So, mate, Char- you well Charlie, good morning then, pal. So, <laughs> I know, mate. It's 6.30 in the morning here. I just played 120 minutes last night in the cup competition in Melbourne, mate. It's blowing a gale force wind. <laughs> Worse than back home, freezing cold. Um... <laughs> Happy to be out there then. Because the missus and the kids have just landed. Yeah, of course, mate. But the missus and kids have just landed, so it's all good. And then I was, so I was up till about two, and then I wake up to speak to you, beautiful people. You, it. you wonderful, wonderful, committed man. So have you? So you say that Bianca and the kids are in the country? Have you not seen them yet? No, they landed last night, mate. About half ten last night. Um, but I've not seen them yet. So because I'm obviously in Melbourne, so we fly back this morning, and then. Yeah. Um, and then I'll see them. We've got two days off then. Got you, straight mate. To, so straight to the Gold Coast, mate, surely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, listen, Charlie, You, whilst you and Coxie are both on at the same time, so Coxie's kind of been there, done it, and you're just on the start of that journey. What's um, early impressions for you, Charlie? How have you found it so far? And Simon, we'll bring you in in terms of like your, your early recollections and whether or not it took you, you time to sort of acclimatise when you went down there. Mate, let me tell you. Sorry, mate. Go on. Let me let me tell you one thing about my no, first game was Brisbane. It was against Brisbane Raw. It was at Suncorp, and it was fucking roasting, right? And then what they do over oh, there no. is what they do over there is they interview people at half time. So what they what they thought it was funny that they decided to interview me at half time, looking as red as you like, you know, blowing out. Of my oh. So that, it, it took me a little while to get acclimatised, trust me. Yeah, it's like ten, it's ten, no, it's 10 days to get over the jet lag and that. But obviously, the season don't start for another six weeks, so it's not too bad. But they do warn me that comes some like Christmas time over here, it's ridiculous weather. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see how we go from that. Because obviously, at home, we don't really get it as much. Um, so, be, listen, it's, it's one of them. I, I, I said to you before, Mark, that you can't compare it to the UK, really, because the, mm. the main players moved to Scotland. But from what I've seen so far, I've made a, I've made a good decision to, to come here. I didn't, uh, listen, I couldn't be bothered to play 46 games. and the, the clubs that was in for me didn't interest me one bit, didn't excite me. So, that's why yeah. I moved here. Well, what's, um, Charlie, you said you, you've obviously got your first... Well, you're not your first competitive competitive action as such because you've had your boots on out there already. But what's um, yeah. what, what sort of was it a pre-season tournament you were in, mate? And what was the sort of standard? No, like? mate, how so how are you finding it? No, they play like a, the Australian Cup, yeah, the equivalent of like the FA Cup. They play it before the season um, because they're not the team, the second division team, um, already through their season. Yep. So it like works out to be pre-season games for us, but obviously competitive. And then they're coming to the end of their season. No, it's not too bad, mate. Listen, for me, I'm just trying to get fit at the moment and then hope for, and then obviously when the season starts, be ready to go. But it's an enjoyment for me, mate. It's an enjoyment. I, I, yeah. I'm seeing it for, for, for what the whole situation is. I'm, I'm, 
I'm getting my mates, I'm enjoying football. Yeah. Get the love for it. And like I said to you all the time, mate, it's just a whole new experience, you know? Yeah, 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 of course. Listen, Charlie, we've got a question here from uh, Bianca from Hungerford. She wants to know, did you, <laughs> ma- did you manage to make the bed? Oh, mate, honestly, she gave me a list of things to do. I've fucking, I've done half of it, You should have seen me trying to make the bed, mate. You should have seen, honestly, mate. It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, no, mate, honestly, I've not seen him for six weeks. So I can't wait to, like, I can't wait to see him now. Now I know well, you're in the country, do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I've got you. Um, another question has popped up, Charlie. We've just been asked to ask you. Is there anyone that you've seen, Melbourne Raw, uh, sorry, Brisbane Raw or otherwise, that is catching yeah. the eye in terms of ability? Like, are there any names that you can throw out there where you're thinking he's a baller, he's got a big future? we got two players that play for us that could play in, that could play in League 1, League 2. Um, send the, send their details got, across, mate, to the club. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they got a, we got, they got a two mid, uh, one six, one ten. Kai Truen, his name is. Um, he's a very good player. And Ramit Abari um, plays as a ten. He, he's very good, man. He's very good. Um, yeah. But what the scenario is, like I said, I think a lot of people from the UK overlook. Australia. That's why. And that's why a lot of them go into Scot. You know, go to Scotland. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Listen, Clem's Australian, so that's on him. <laughs> He'll have his finger on the pulse. Well, Charlie, since we last spoke, has managed yeah. to uh, pick up pick two points and score two goals, which is a big improvement. What's um, I know. Yeah. From what I gather, listen. From what I gather, it was always going to be a tough game against late or midweek. Um, I think the only disappointing thing would be obviously going one nil up and not be able to hold a hold on to to win the game. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just as you look at it even more. Don't yeah. worry, mate. Yeah, don't worry, mate. I'm here. We've just had to mute Coxie's mic. I think he's gone into the players' tunnel. <laughs> Fucking hell! I thought, what is that? Sounded like a jumbo here. jet landing. Oh no, hey, mate! I don't know what he was up to. Fucking hell! No, do you know what? Like I said, later in game one, or I think the only disappointing thing is not being able to hold on, hold on to, to the lead, but then to be able to get a point and get something from the game because. I know, you know, a lot of the fans know if if they wasn't able to hold on and they got beat 2-1, then there would have been a, people would have been going off. So it's a good point that they've taken. Um, and now it's all about just building building from that because it's a, there is a, obviously a long way to go, but you do need a good start because there's only like one or two teams that do come off the pace. Yeah. I've got a question actually about uh, what your thoughts might be on this, but we scored in like, what is it, the third minute or something like that? And there's the classic football cliche trope of, oh, we've scored too soon. Is that, uh, is that something? You can never that's... call it. You can never, never can score too soon. <laughs> yeah. It's no, but I know, no, no, but I, yeah, I know, I know. I totally get what you're saying. Well, England, course, England have done it twice, haven't they, in two major uh, tournaments where they scored in the first two minutes and then gone on to yeah. concede. Um, and it oh, seems like we did the same thing. Yeah. But, um, you can never score too soon, but I do understand what you're saying. Um, it's it, it, it kind of just I don't know. Sometimes instead of going for the jugular and going for the second, you end up. Some teams end up sitting back and not mm. and taking the backward pass instead of instead of if it was nil nil, they would have a go at going forward. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, so it, it does become tough. Um, it kind of changes listen, game plans and quickly, I guess sometimes. Yeah, it does. But then you, 
it's, I mean, it can and it can't. The, the better teams and the, the manager that trusts his players, he will continue his process as obviously what he's done. And mm. Richie's obviously mm. done that at Late Orient. He, he's got a good group, group, good group of lads in there um, who he trusts. And, and like I said, Town, we're, we get away with a point and we go forward. But I think the only thing we come away is Harry scored. He's got his first of the season. And we, um, listen, let's be, let's be honest. All our eggs are in his basket because unless we get a new striker, someone in to support him, then um, it, it all relies on him, unfortunately. Yeah, Charlie, here's a question for you then. You'll have happy memories of scoring up at Carlisle. Um, yeah. Obviously, we came away with all three points when you did that. But um, the, the general consensus was, obviously, the game before Leighton Orient, one all draw up there. Is it a sort of, how do, how do footballers sort of feel after that length of journey, going to Carlisle, getting a point? Is it good enough? Like, do you still feel that's a good point because of all the obstacles you've got to overcome logistically and whatnot? I think that's just part and parcel of the football. Logistics is something you can't control, mate. So you can only control the controllables, which is you going on the pitch for 90 minutes and getting three points. If yeah. you can't get three points, just come back one point. And listen, no one wants to no one wants to go and get beat, do they? Do you know what I mean? So, listen, they couldn't get all three. They come away from a point. It, it is it is what it is. You know, in the league, you know, in the fixtures. I think when um, when all the playoffs and that were done, I think there was all the EFL kind of maps were about regarding the regarding the leagues. And it is is league. To, correct me if I'm wrong. Is league two quite northern? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, mate. Yeah, you bang on. EFL League Two North this year, yes. Yeah. So, see what I mean. So they're going to have the boys are going to have to do a lot of travelling. They would have seen that beforehand on after. Um, after obviously not uh, making promotion, so listen, I, you just if you're going to pick up points on the road, that's the right that's the right way of going about it. Obviously, do you know what I mean? But yeah, just like we like we said last week, and uh, you've got to make the county grand fortress somehow. The, the the lads have got to be excited and enthusiastic last year of how well they finished and how well I even went to a couple of games. Do you know what I mean? But how well the the home fans got and the people of Swindon got behind the football club in the last like four or five weeks. Surely that's an inspiration. If we can do it again, where we can continue to make results, then more and more will come to the county ground and more and more will pack out. I played in packed county grounds maybe like four or five times. It's a fantastic place to play. Um, so I, if they can get back to that and we can get more in there, more in and more in, then listen, I think it'll be. Um, It'll be something that they should definitely be going forward, looking forward to anyway. Well, listen, just before we try and bring the um, try and bring Coxie back on, mate, um, my final sort of um, request of a bit of input from you, Charlie. What, what was it like following on from Coxie? Had obviously had a phenomenal record at Swindon Town. You you had enormous boots to fill. Appreciate Bill. Bill played a big part in both your careers at Swindon. But what what, yeah. was, what was what was he like to follow on from? Yeah, I, when I first went in, it was tough. But I, do you know? I, I'll brutally honest with you. It wasn't. It was tough looking on like for me. But it was. I didn't feel no pressure because we had five strikers that were rubbish in front of me. They felt the pressure to fill his boots. I just went in there with a free reign. Like we had Alex Revel, Topi Obadei, Ben Hutchinson. They were rubbish. But they was they was trying to fill Coxie's boots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just went in there with a bit of a free ear. I was, I had everything to gain, nothing to lose. I was coming from non-league, Mark, so it wasn't like that. It was only until I got in there and started playing. People was obviously saying regarding regarding Coxie, 
So for me, like it wasn't too bad, but he left a massive hole. We went on to go and obviously play for West Brom. Di Matteo took him, and it was it was brilliant for the brilliant for the football club. Um, but yeah, like I say, for me, I wasn't too bad because I had everything to gain, nothing to lose, and the four um, the four strikers that were in front of me before I started playing were shite. Yeah, <laughs> what a way to finish! What a way to finish! You are nothing but I've, I've, I've got a question for the two of them, actually. If, they, if you've got a second, I got a question Go for It's uh, what's your uh, your your Tim Tam flavour of choice if, if you've got one yet? Oh, they're, they're crap, mate. They're crap. They're overrated. <laughs> get yourself some. Get yourself some double coated. Yeah, no, yeah, I have. I Put have, them in mate. the freezer, man. <laughs> How about that, Coxie? So uh, there were there were five strikers before Charlie, and they were all crap trying to fill your boots. So he Very never felt up. he never felt the pressure. What a quote! <laughs> right, get, getting back to business. Whereabouts were we? Whereabouts were we? So uh, ba, 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 ba. we talked about shit hours, didn't we? We talked about your best international memory and your island fan story. I we think we're up your... to uh, best biscuit. I think, aren't we? So leading, leading yeah. on from Tim Tams. We certainly did. What's your best? What is the best? The best biscuit, Simon Cops? Uh, it's chocolate hobnob. It, that, to be fair, that is the World Cup finalist of biscuits. That's all we need to hear, Chris. What's what's the what's your question, mate? This this is all about the dark arts, by the look of it, Chris. <laughs> oh, Chris, you're all right there, mate. You have the mic, mic problem. Right, let's see if we can see if we can get Chris sorted. Chris, Chris, Chris's question was, "What's the best prank ever played on you, Coxie?" Um, he got in the buff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, try, I try to stay away from that behaviour. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, because I, I wasn't, especially when like like later on in my career, where like. Probably my gear got better. Some would say probably got worse. But when my gear got better, I didn't want anyone patting it up or coming away with no tra- no trainers with no shoes or anything, uh, no shoelaces or anything else like that. So I uh, I tried to stay away from that behaviour. Right, um, Mike, you're you got the next one, pal. Right, so I'm not sure if you're the, you're the type of guy to collect souvenirs, but do you have like a favourite or your best souvenir from from your football career? I got a few jerseys, I got a few shirts, uh, which I was obviously lucky enough to play against some unbelievable people. So I got like a Ike Casillas shirt, I've got a Sergio Ramos shirt, I've got a Andrea Pirlo shirt, I've got a Carlos Tevez shirt, I've got a Yaya Torre shirt. Um, so yeah, I got I got a few. Like if you've got steel toe caps on, you might want to drop like there's a few names being dropped for. But yeah, there's um <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I got a few nice, nice jerseys, mate. That's, a, that's an absolute Rolls Royce collection of shirt names. That <laughs> wouldn't be a fire, wouldn't be a bad five-a-side team. I know that. 
<laughs> no, that's pretty. That is pretty tasty. Jay, Jay you've got uh, more of a t- yeah. Question. Yeah, I'm next. Uh, so just getting into getting into a bit of fashion, I guess. What's your what's your best boots that you played in? Like your favourite boots from your playing career? Do you know what? Obviously, like the thing is, when I was at swimming school, like all those goals, I played in a pair of Umbros that were unbelievable, and they discontinued them. I was raging. Uh, so when I went to West Brom, obviously signed myself like a nice uh, Adidas gear and stuff like that. So I was in like the uh, F50s and everything else. But I actually really enjoyed the uh, the Umbros, and I wish, I really wish they would have continued on with them because I'd have just probably kept them throughout my career. You should have gone to all the screw, all, all the uh, sports director near you and just bought up every single one and like have a mate, garage full. Mate, do you know what? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I went, like, they, they stopped them. They had stopped them. So I went online, sports director, everything. So they stopped them. So I had to go onto like mental sites from like ridiculous areas of the world and buy as many as I could. And I ended up having like four pairs that like tried to last me. And you know what happens is that one pair ends up getting ripped for one stupid tackle. So they're done. Yeah, it was just, I, I had, I probably had four, I probably played in about four or five pairs of them. And they were unbelievable. That that was a golden era for Umbro. I still wear my Zy fives now, Coxie. I still wear them. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Um, right, um... Coxie, someone's asking here about your best away hotel you've ever stayed in. Have you got a glorious hotel story? Um, uh, no, listen, we used to obviously you know, take into account of like the international ones where you get you hire the whole floor out and you get to. Oh, when I was at Reading, lucky enough to get to FA Cup semi final, so we played at Wembley against Arsenal and. Uh, we stayed at like an unbelievable hotel there, got like ridiculous rooms and stuff like that. Um, but I wouldn't say that I had a favorite hotel. I do remember like a few stories of when I was at when I was at South End, we we stayed, we played Scunthorpe, and I think it was MK Dons were staying there as well because they were playing someone pretty close to Scunthorpe. Um, if there is anybody close to Scunthorpe, um, Doncaster. There you go. Uh, so they must have been playing them. And then, uh, and I remember like all our players were looking to watch like the Friday night game and all their players must have been in bed. So, and then when we were trying to watch the, the Friday night game, we were asking all the staff for biscuits and they, were, they weren't. And then our staff were in the bar having like beers and that and their staff were like playing puzzles or cards or something with water. So like... It just, it just showed what type of clubs we both were at the time. <laughs> I think, um, right, we'll part the hotel stories then, Coxie. We're, we're right down the bottom end of your questions now. Chris, Chris has got one that is going to potentially be uh, controversial, so tread carefully with this one, Coxie. <laughs> right, Coxie, which is the best or your most favourite stand at the county ground? Uh... I would probably, well, listen, scored, scored quite a few goals down at the town end, so that was nice. Um, but I always used to, it's a mad one, I always used to run out of the, out of the um, let me shut that fucking door, do my order. It's because he's talking about Swindon now. Because he's, he's talking about the county ground and he's at Reading. No, nah, don't worry. Reading have just pummeled Blackburn 3-0, mate, so don't worry, they'll be in a good mood. 
the uh, no, so I always used to run out of the tunnel and run straight over to the far, like the far side top, as you look at it, top right hand corner. Um, because I, for some reason, I always in my head I had that no matter how things are going, good, bad, and different, you go and applaud people at the start of the game, they'll remember it throughout the game and then you know they'll they'll stick with you throughout the whole 90 minutes as well as like throughout the whole season so I always had that in my mind that doing that as a starter then it allowed me to to sort of build into the game and you know whether your first touch was great or you you know you had a, a bad first half they would always stick with you because of like that first little initial um behavior that you that you uh, that you showed them straight off the bat What's it like scoring at, um, at a packed town end and then scoring at the Stratton Bank? <laughs> well, where no one is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, though, the one time I did, like, well, not one time, the, like, the times where that, that, that end was, uh, was full was like Leeds, you know, like the big games. And I always used to get abused by Leeds fans. It was brilliant. Um, so, but scoring when there's no one there is it's as memorable as scoring when there's loads of people there because it's still, you know, the ball still hits the net. It doesn't really matter. And, you, and you've still got the Arkles and the Don Rogers to go and have a bit of fun with as well. <laughs> yeah. so, what's the, uh, your penultimate question? Yeah, no, hang on. Almost your penultimate question is coming from Mike. So, Cox, you've obviously done a, a lot of travelling throughout your career around the world. Um, what, was, what was the best place that you've been to in terms of a holiday destination? Do you know one place I'd love to go? Um, and I visited there as a with Ireland is uh, Azerbaijan. That's I'd interesting. Interesting. I'd love to go there because I went there and the stadium was was brand new, brand spanking new. The hotel was unbelievable. It was, it was basically like Dubai, but a, a sort of cheaper version, but with the same. Um, like there was marble everywhere. It was it was done really really nicely. So I like and we were talking to like some of the staff and that while we were there, and they were like basically spent loads of like millions and billions of pounds on like creating a new capital city. Um, so it's it's going to look unbelievable. So I would actually like to go um, and and just sort of see what it's all about really. Well, Dean McMackin, travel counsellors, I hope you're listening, Dino. Make sure you slide into Coxie's DMs, mate. And get him a freebie. freebie. <laughs> no better way to say thank you for all those goals, Coxie. That's all I'd say. What's yeah. um, Right then, we've got uh, your... Jay, you've got the penultimate question for Coxie. Yeah, I'm still in shock that Azerbaijan was the answer to best holiday yeah. of the entire world. That's, uh, it's a that's thinking map answer. Yeah, yeah, that is. It's not not what I was expecting. Um, uh, don't hit me, but uh, what's what's the best thing about retirement? Being normal, uh, being able to go to the like the pub on a Friday or a Saturday and and not have to worry about whether somebody comes up and goes, "You're fucking shit today," or. Uh, <laughs> Or what on earth's going on at the football club, or you know anything like that? I think it's just being being a, a sort of general punter, really. I think that's the the best thing. Plus, obviously, like spending time with the family and and being able to sort yeah. of come and go as a please, that's always nice. But I think I think just being a general punter is like the nicest part of it. Yeah. 
Is yeah. it is it is it a different way of enjoying football? Is it an easy transition to kind of get into just being a fan of the game again, or was it something yeah. you struggled with? No, I I'd always liked watching football. I was never really good at it because I get really animated over it. Um, like I know, obviously, this is a Swindon podcast, but watching Reading today, like there were so many times I was looking at it going what on earth are you doing here? Or like, you know, getting really animated with what's going on and why are you making that run and why aren't you making that? And what kind of delivery is that? You know what I mean? Like, like being mm. a general supporter, so it's nice. Um, so I just I just think it was it was always going to take time to, to sort of get into that. Uh, but I was ready for it, so it was fine. Nice. So you've got, you've got, uh, you've got your giving the Vs down to a T and you've also uh, got shouting forward down as well right? those, that's it you, once you get those two down you're pretty much set yeah yeah I'm, I'm good to go I think well look Coxie all, all this um, all this corporate box stuff mate that's all very well and good but uh, you're going to have to accept an invite to come and join us in the town and before the season's out that is a Sir Tom Broadbent lounge um, absolute must so uh, you're going to have to come and, and mix it with the common folk mate um, as long as there's a pint in it I'm happy that a hundred percent there will be. So I hope everyone that's listening, that's that is a verbal contract as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, but look, I work, I work behind the bar, Coxy, so I have one, I have a cold one waiting for you, mate. Don't worry. Just one. Coxy, I've got your final question, and it's pretty straightforward. What is your best overall Swindon Town memory? Uh, the whole of that season, mate. I'll be honest, it was just such an unbelievable season for me personally. Like, started off really, really well in pre-season. Like, I was really enjoyed the whole, um, the whole start of it, playing all those games, scoring all those goals, being on that general like crest of a wave of a high. Um, I lo- I loved it, mate. It gave me the platform to go and, and have a career that I did. Um, so I'm forever grateful, forever thankful for for everybody that, at the football club that made my time there, um, you know, a successful one. Uh, you're very, very welcome, mate. And as as we said to you earlier, the Sir Tom Broadbent, uh, the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge, Coxie, would love to see Cox in the town end. So um, let, let's make a point of making it happen. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Get me down. <laughs> All right then, buddy. Coxie, listen, what an absolute pleasure it's been having you on, pal, making your show debut. I hope you're not going to be a stranger moving forward, mate. We've got some various set pieces and bits and bobs um, concerning sort of certain points in your career. We'd love to come back and visit with you at one stage. Um, so hopefully you've had a bit of fun with us tonight, mate, and you'll be joining us again in the future. Absolutely, mate. Anytime. All right then, pal. Thanks again, Coxie. Take care, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. See you later. Yeah, yeah cheers, Coxie. Thank, Thank you. Cheers. Right then, well, listen, gentlemen, straight out of straight out of Cox and straight into Tom Hartley. How are you, Tom? Good evening, buddy. Well, that's a follow, eh? Hey, how about that? He's a rascal, isn't he? That Simon Cox, what a rascal! <laughs> so, <laughs> he's, he's just brilliant. I, just, I, I love a double entendre and I love an innuendo. And Coxie just effortlessly glided us into those areas, Tom Hartley. I'm glad we're after the watershed. Um, <laughs> it, it was all a little bit Monty Python, all a little bit two Ronnies tonight, I think. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> 
But Tom, listen, it's been a. You've got some really, really interesting news, haven't you? A few bits and bobs have broken today over the socials, but not every Swindon Town fan's going to have heard it. Obviously, it's been a seismic um, few weeks for women's football in the UK. Um, it's a, certainly a really interesting time of development at Swindon Women's Football Club, Swindon Town Women's Football Club. So we've got you on tonight, mate, to, to sort of shed a light on um, a very, very interesting story that's broken today of um, another big spike in, um, in interest, activity and backing. Yeah, absolutely. And look, thanks for having me on just to talk about it for a bit. Like you say, the women's game is um, on the crest of a wave at the moment and, and the, the firework has certainly gone off. And yeah, we're, we're really excited at Swindon Women that um, we'll be playing more games uh, in Swindon in, in, the, in the season to come. Um, we, we, we've had Fairford Football Club as our home ground for many seasons now and we'll continue to play um, a number of our fixtures there through the, through the year. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really fortunate that uh, we'll, we will be playing a number of fixtures at Foundation Park and at the County Ground in the season to come, which is just a brilliant platform for us to um, build our fan base, get more people involved and engaged in the game and yeah, have a, have a brilliant, brilliant place to play our football from. So how has this come about, Tom? Like, what's 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 made this happen? Now, how have we suddenly gone from Fairford just being the home to now drawing you closer to the county grounds? Like, what's the catalyst? Yeah, look, we we've got we've got some brilliant supporters within the town and and um, local businesses being being that as well. So nationwide are helping us um, bring bring the games to Foundation Park, uh, and without their support, it wouldn't really be possible. So it's a huge thank you to them. Um, and and kind of people on the on the trust at Swindon as well for really kind of pushing this and making it happen. Um, and I think actually we've got the support there to to kind of unlock unlock the doors if you like to be able to go and play at Foundation Park and and at the County Ground. Um, and for this, it, it feels like just the start of something for us as a club to be able to really make playing in Central Swindon kind of the, the home of Swindon women. So what's what's the ambition, Tom? I mean. Uh, what what would I mean? I, Foundation Park as a as a venue for football is is obviously it's it's a bit of a no brainer. But what what are the kind of numbers potentials? Have you have you have you sort of set yourselves any targets? I appreciate it's early days. We just made this announcement, but what sort of numbers are you hoping for? Bearing in mind we would get say you know when we were rocking and rolling towards the end of last season, we were regularly hitting five figure crowds. Obviously, it's not necessarily realistic that we're going to be hitting that for the women's team at this juncture. Um, but what 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 sort of numbers would you would you know are you aiming for? Yeah, look, like you say, it's different in in the women's game, and and we certainly wouldn't be expecting um, numbers in the thousands, not not at this stage anyway. Um, but but by getting kind of hundreds of people in in to be able to watch kind of and I'd hope that we'd get two or three hundred coming for our first home game uh, of the season on the 28th um, that, that would be a brilliant start and look I, it, I, like we spoke about when I came on the show before um, I'm sure lots and lots of Swindon fans have an interest and it's not the fact that we're saying because you're a Swindon fan you should be kind of emotionally involved with Swindon Town women and, and there every week but actually give it a go come once or twice in the season. And the fact that it is at Foundation Park and at the County Ground in the year to come, um, we've got lots of opportunities really just to kind of create a really great atmosphere and a, a great a great feeling for everybody who does come down. So, Tom, are you hoping to sort of get to a stage where the, the sort of the, the first team men's team and the women's team are going to be playing on alternate weeks? Um, or is is it is that almost at this stage something that you just can't plan for, or you you know there's no way of making that happen? Yeah, it's a tri- it's a tricky one that with with fixtures um, and just making sure that the the fixtures don't don't collide. 
Um, but ultimately, we want to play as much as possible at Foundation Park and at the county ground. Now, look, I think playing at the county ground is, would be really, really special. I think the women's team has played there in the past once or twice before. And it's not necessarily something we'd aspire to do, say, say in two or three years' time. We don't want to, be, want to be playing at the county ground every single week because we want to make a spectacle of it. It may want to be kind of our signature moments within the season, if you like. So by using Foundation Park more and more, um, by kind of thinking about the, the, the special games to have at the county ground, um, I think it will create some, some really memorable experiences for, for fans. And actually, if, if you're a young boy or girl and you're interested in coming to football, um, if you've got a family and you think actually this might be a really nice way to come and, and introduce them to the game, then it, it's great. And, and it does feel a bit different to kind of what a, a men's match day at the county ground would, would feel like. So, um, mm. yeah, it's an opportunity to get really close to it. And, and um, it, it's just an extension, I suppose, of, of the support for the club. So listen, Tom. If I'm a I'm a young female listening to this now, listening to you, and I've got ambitions to come and get involved with Swindon Town Women's Football Club, what advice would you give to that person? Um, you know, whether they feel they necessarily they've they've got the talent to immediately catch your eye, or they've just been inspired by events summer. Like, what what's the best advice you give them? Oh, I think it sounds like we've lost Tom there. Um, so we try and get Tom back on. Um, Jay, have we still got you, Fat Pal? Yeah, I was just, um, I was actually going to hop in, actually, and just, I know, uh, when, when was it that the Lionesses came and played at the county ground? That was a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? Or Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking they're probably, uh, they're probably a bit big now for us, now they're World, uh, World Cup winners, or yeah. Euro winners, sorry. Well, so I think we've got Tom <clears> back, back on. Back. Sorry about that. No, 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 not at all, mate. Uh, if you need me to repeat that last question, Tom, you shout. But um, did, hopefully it all makes sense. And that, uh, um, essentially, the question was, if I am a aspiring young female footballer, uh, I live in the Swindon area, or I don't live in the Swindon area, but for whatever reason, Swindon Town women have attracted me. Um, what what advice would you give to that young young lady about engaging with the football club? How do they how how are they best going about doing that? Look, we, we've got a pathway, and and we're really lucky that we've got such a brilliant community foundation as well at the club. So, Swindon Town Community Foundation have, have recently um, been given a, a license for an emerging talent centre. So that effectively supports all the age groups coming up from under tens up up to under eighteens, and then Swindon women have kind of the under eighteens and the development team, and and then the first team and. Actually, if anybody wants to, to play or kind of become on our radar, if they're not, then they can always get in touch with, with, with the club through our social media. Um, and actually, in terms of playing and advice from there, um, I think it's about just like play, playing in a way that, that you can be free when you're on the football pitch, um, not worrying about mistakes, not taking risks and, and just being really purposeful with your practice. And look, we've got, we've got some great coaches at the club. Um, we do have that that route for players to to kind of come through, and and yeah, the, the future is really bright. We we certainly won't necessarily see immediate immediate success in every element of what we're doing, but but we've got all the seeds and the roots there to for things to grow in the in the next couple of years. Uh, Tom, well, listen. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we posed a, a couple of questions to you. You've you've and and we've said like things that I think we as as, as fans of the men's first team would like to see. It, 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 there was no there were no loaded questions for anyone that was listening at the time. We didn't know that these things were happening. 
um, it's just wonderful um, to to see that Nationwide have, have have stepped up and supported you in the first instance. It's fantastic to hear about the pathway story that you've got for aspiring young female talent. And and and, and we are we're going to continue to tell you story time. We're going to continue to follow that progress as the uh, as the Swindon Town women's story unfolds, grows, blossoms. Um, and it's it's brilliant to have you at the heart of it. Someone that I've known for a very very long time in various various guises at the football club. Mate, we just wish you all the best. Um, Tom, listen, we'll, we'll let you um, we'll let you scoot off, pal. I know that you, it was really good of you to come on tonight, mate, and spare some time for us. I appreciate you got a bit of a packed schedule at the moment. Um, anything you want to say to the Swindon fans in closing? No, thanks, buddy. And look, I think it would be great if we could get some of the um, some of the players on as well in the future. Um, you've been good enough to have me talk three times now, but let, let's get some of the girls on and, and get them talking about kind of their experiences in their first couple of games of the season. But um, no, if you're a Swindon fan listening and and um, you've never thought of women's football before, then why not now? Million percent, mate. Why not now? And take it as granted, Tom. The the offer's open. I'd be love. We'd be loving to hear um, from some of the players as the season unfolds, pal. Consider it done, and we'll be in touch on that. Tom Hartley, ladies and gentlemen, what a treat. Um, so, Gabs, lovely to see you joining the speaker list, Gabs. You'll remember the conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago with Tom. Isn't it fantastic that um, some of those questions have already been answered, mate? In what the week or two since we posed them. Yes, fantastic news. It just shows that um, the people within the club act quick, really. Yeah, they uh, certainly. I mean, I, I, we're not gonna we're not gonna sort of claim any credit for it. Or as I say, I, I can assure any listeners listening tonight, we just posted the questions a couple of weeks ago. We said, as supporters of the men's team, what we felt were the barriers to following the women's team. Um, and I think we talked about, um, you know, alternate weeks being important, being important, um, and accessibility generally being important. And, um, you know, people seem to be sort of answering those questions. I think they're just common sense questions at the end of the day, Gabs, aren't they? It's not rocket science. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And plus, you know, Foundation Park has got stands in it. What's the point in people hiring it and not filling them? really so yeah, it'd yeah. be good to see it's a good experiment to see how many turnovers let's try and get those stands full yeah and from there it'll be a good indication is right okay will they could they potentially fill the county ground like one block of the county ground and then go from there just little aims try and aim at try and achieve and go from there really yeah because the one thing that's really impressed me about women's football over the summer and tom touched on it there is the kind of vibe that was created in the stand that sort of sense of community um now there's 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 nothing that beats that match day, um, you know, sort of you know fire in the stands, you know the 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 controlled aggression. You know, we would never advocate for things spilling over the top from this show's perspective, but you know the you know the um, the shots backwards and forwards from the supporters, you know the aggression, the songs, the you know the the absolute you know experience that is your typical match day that we've become used to over the many years that we've all been following the club. But um, there is something about, um, I think, the the role um, of, the, of women's football this summer that's kind of opened people's eyes to a slightly different way of um, of, of sort of football fandom, for want of a better word. Um, it, it, I don't necessarily think it's going it's, it's, to... We are starting to draw lines between there is this way and there is a better way of doing things. But 
as a community club operating at the heart of Swindon, I think it's fantastic that we we you know we've got our own project that's unfolding, and obviously a major sponsor in Nationwide getting behind it, um, you know, giving it giving it its financial clout uh, and pointing it in the common sense directions we've all requested is fantastic news. So we'll um, but we'll park Swindon Town Women's Football Club for the time being. But rest rest assured, as we said to Tom, um, um, we you know you certainly it's not going to be the last that we hear from the Women's Football Club moving forward, um, and we will be speaking to the players and coaches, etc., as we move forward. Now, obviously, we were here last night, so we're not going to go into too much detail, but the dust has settled on Swindon Town 1, Orient 1. Um, we're just going to have a, a, a slight sojourn back into that. Now everything's calmed down, and whether it's the over-elation or the frustration from last night, the fan base seemed to be sort of split straight down the middle. Chris, Coming back to you, pal. I hope your your technical issues are sorted. What did you? Um, how are you feeling, mate? The, the morning after the night before. How did it feel to you when you woke up this morning? Uh, it wasn't too bad. Too, too bad, really. Um, I think it's 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 you've just got to preach with um, patience. Uh, I had a couple of uh, chats uh, chats with people in the hotel this morning actually about it, which was quite good to just get a different perspective. Uh, on on that it was one of um, I can't remember his name now, but one guy was there was a was actually one of the sponsors, and he was just uh, sort of saying the same things as, as we have as well. That number nine focal point is just big um, for I think what we need, and and more so than anything is at the moment we don't seem to have an identity of how we want to play. Yeah, but. I'll tell you what was really interesting was obviously you you know you you know because you were there. I'm still down in um, in deepest darkest East Kent, but my son was telling me that um, on the train back to London, uh, traveling back with um, you know a good chunk of the Leighton Orient support, they were all absolutely over the moon with a point away to Swindon Town. Um, so you know they were particularly chuffed. I think um, they felt that um, they tired towards the end of the game that um, Swindon's superior fitness had started to tell. Um, I think you could debate that point, depending on what side of the fence you're on. But um, I, I thought that um, from what my son was telling me, some of the away observations were um, certainly fill us with with some optimism. Um, Jay, how did you feel about it this morning, mate? Were you, just, you glass half full or glass half empty? Uh, I'm just glad to hear Arch got home okay because uh, he uh, we were we were in we were in our calls uh, after the first goal after we scored and and after um, waving at them and saying hello, it was. Uh, uh, Arch had the realization. Oh, I sat with those three on the train up, and I had to get the train back with them. Um, so I'm glad to hear that he uh, he made it home all right and they looked after him. <laughs> if he if he was found himself with the same lads, um, he never told me that story last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite. It was, uh, that was an interesting one. Um, and then you just asked me about the game and my thoughts this morning. Um, it's 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 there's definitely signs of improvement. Every game where there things do seem to be getting better, um, in personally, they're, they're still not quite. We set the bar so high last year, in my opinion, towards the end that it's re- it's kind of it's a little bit of a it's a little bit deflating to not be not carry that momentum into this season at all. What it feels like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, but yeah, we're definitely improving. Um, so that's all we can really ask for at the moment with a quite a new squad, lot of turn, lots of ins, lots of, a couple of outs. So every every time every time that happens, there's always that gelling time, isn't there? And the and the, the teams we played against haven't they're they're up there at the moment. I know it's early and it's only a couple of games in, but they are in the top half of the table. Um, 
So it's maybe it's maybe it's a case of we're we're playing we're playing the harder game straight away, um, and we've got a, we've got a run of potentially easy ones that will help help us really gel and score a couple of goals and and get Wakelin another go, get a couple of goals and um, maybe an, an elusive striker joining us. Listen, Jay. I mean, to your point, and for those of you that tuned in last night, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself here, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the league table now, as in it's hugely relevant four games in, but. You know, mm. look at the teams that we have played. You know, we've taken a point off of Salford, who are currently sat top. We've taken a point off of Leighton Orient, who are currently sat second. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, yeah, all right, it's the cup, but we got beaten by Warsaw, who are currently sat in eighth. We were beaten by Harrogate, who are in ninth, immediately beneath them. And then um, we took a point off of Carlisle United, who are sat in mm-hmm. 11th. So everybody that we have played, they've had a pretty reasonable start to the season. Um and there's no shame in that. And the fact is, we are unbeaten since the opening day of the season. I'm not going to go down the Luke Williams route and say three mm. was equals. <laughs> low ego. I've just said it. But um, but the fact is, we're not... Um, or, or I appreciate we did against Harrogate, but we are not shipping goals. But the problem is, we're shipping a lot of chances, Jay, aren't we? I mean, Mike, I'll yeah. bring you in at this stage, Mike, because Sol Bryn... Um, it's lovely seeing Sol Bryn sort of enjoying a few pats on the back in the sponsor's lounge and getting a bottle of champagne. But it's, I made this point last night. It's not necessarily fantastic when your goalkeeper's getting man of the match on a regular, is it? No, 100%. Um, I, you saw that sort of uh, discussion online as well in the sort of Twitter sphere in the, in the Swindon Town community. And uh, it, is, it is a very valid point. You know, you don't, you don't really want your man of the match to be, uh, you know, your keeper back to back in, you know, uh, games. Um, obviously, it's a good, it's, it's a very, very good for Sol Brin. It shows that he's a, a really good keeper at this level. And I think he's going to have a good career. But, um, you know, we are, we are conceding a lot of chances at the moment. Um, what I liked about, you know, uh, the most recent game is that we actually seem to be creating a few more chances. Um, the first sort of few games of the season, we you know we we, we really, really did look quite toothless. We just didn't have that sort of creation. So you know having having that um, chance creation now is is uh, you know it's an improvement, and that's and that's you know as as Jay said, that's what we we can, we can really hope for at the moment. But um, I wanna I wanna I wanna I wanna see you know three points from from Rochdale. That's, that's a that's a must win game now, really, in my opinion. Well, I make you right. I mean, listen, we talked about this again last night. Rochdale played 4-1, none drew, none lost four. They've scored one. They've conceded five, uh, zero points. Um, they are looking like absolutely they are all over the shop. Uh, didn't have a particularly fantastic season last year, but nonetheless came to the county ground and frustrated us on a balmy early season um, uh, fixture. Um, so by no means will it be a given because you're going to have two teams that are scrapping for their life, but for two very very different reasons. Um, I think the, um, the one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys that were there last night, and I don't know who wants to take it, so just like you know, feel free one of you jump in. Um, Rob Hunt, lovely seeing him back at the county ground. What sort of a reception did Hunty get last night? It, um, I mean, we we're, were at Arkles, um, so it was, uh, and he was playing first half on the opposite side I think it I think it uh, no no he's playing on our side and then so we didn't really hear much from the back of our calls but there was um, it felt a bit like he was when he came out there was usually when someone comes back there's like oh I'll clap, I'll clap all sides but there was none of that it was very much I'm clapping my fans at the moment um, but he you know, he, seemed, he seemed to 
from what I saw. It was all kind of nice on the pitch. Like him, he gave McCurdy a back rub at one point when he was moaning to the fourth official, I believe, or the lino, um, as he walked past him. But um, yeah, it was just a nice, nice return. I think I don't think there was any animos, any angst there from any of the any of the, the home fans from what was I saw. Any, was there any kind of ovation as he left the pitch? Was there any recognition? No, not, that not fans? Not. Uh, that's a, well. That's a real yeah. that that really. really but, uh, obviously, returning last night as well was Lawrence Vigaru. What kind of reception did Vigs get? It's been um, it's been different. Is the best way to put it over the last few fixtures? Did anyone pick up on uh, whether Larry Vigs got a nice reception? Nothing out of the, any nothing any more than a normal keeper would get from what I saw. Just the uh, your shit as. And <laughs> I was going to say uh, uh, that's I, I, about I, it, really. I definitely, I definitely feel like the town end put a bit more uh, vigorous there. <laughs> your, your yeah, shit well, has, well, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, the second half in the town end, and that was going on for five, ten minutes. Arch will be able to tell you all about that. But when he was kicking it, and then there was just shouts going up from everywhere, and it was just, <laughs> it was just getting ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we got Richie Wellens, obviously returning to the county ground. Now, last last time he's returned, uh, he made a point of um, you know walking down the Don Rogers. He gave it you know plenty of applause, and then went. The pitch, um, plenty of applause to the Arkles and a, a cursory clap as well to the town. Then, what sort of reception did Richie get last night? Um, again, it's just it's just quite muted. He's come back a couple. He's come back before now, so there isn't that. It's the first time seeing you. Um, there was one moment that that um, got him quite a bit of respect from from quite a lot of fans in Arkles, especially was. Um, we they should have they should have kicked the call the ball back to Britain um, for just to give possession back to us and the the Leighton Orient player just kicked it and it went out for a throw not that far not that close to the keeper and Arkles immediately was up in arms booing not happy about it um, and pretty much immediately Wellens was very animated leaning pretty much onto in on going onto the pitch waving all of his players back like. Get back, get back! Don't go anywhere near this. And then, kind of gestured back to the articles, like it's fine, it's fine. I've got it. Like, I'm not, I'm not having that either. So, he's definitely there's definitely a, a couple of moments where where the, the home end were were uh, quite quite happy to see him. I guess it's hard to hard to kind of sum up how, what the uh, feeling was towards him. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's just there's definitely a positive relationship there still. Yeah, but it's good. To, it's good to see that it's gone from you know us pining over him to times moved on to a nice, healthy mutual yeah. respect. That's what we want to see. Yeah, that's, I think that's what it is now. It's just respect. Now I understand that Sir Tom Broadbent now just been working very, very hard to get a little bit of backing behind Ronan Darcy, and I understand Ronan Darcy baby got better out for the town in last night. Is that true? Yes, it is, and uh, I bet you uh, know exactly who started it. <laughs> it sounds like you guys were. Uh, were leading my son down the garden path. Recently turned eighteen, and you're ruining his uh, his early adult days. Is it that, was, that... was Arch and Joe's fault. <laughs> so um, it was hard to hear uh, through my tiny little laptop speakers last night, following on uh, on iFollow. But um, what what was the vibe? What was the vibe generally in the ground? Um, obviously, it's been it's an, the reason I asked the question is that. Um, I, I am of the opinion that what we get, we spend a lot of our time on social media. Obviously, our show exists on Twitter. Appreciate that we do amplify it by placing it in other places as well. But we live in the social sphere. 
Um, it's been very, very prickly of late. Um, and I've been reminded quite um, uh, quite um, uh, determinedly by various people um, in my direct messages and via tweets that uh, they generally believe, and I do tend to agree, social media is a no- noisy minority of Swindon Town fans and quite a caricatured bunch of them as well. So how do we feel about... Um, how do we feel about uh, the general vibe in the county ground, having said that? Do you feel that the, the county ground vibe last night was positive or do you feel it was as representative and as prickly as social media? Uh, I thought certainly second half. Was, I watched the first half in the Arkles with with Jay and Darren and those. And then me, Arch and Joe went into the town end for the second half. And um, the atmosphere actually was a lot better in there than I thought it would be, to be honest. There was uh, all sorts going on, and uh, I, know, I thought that there was—I didn't really hear all that much negativity. Uh, so at the moment, it seems to be quite positive. Mm. Well, that's good to hear. And long may it continue, because I think, as Jay's pointed out, I mean, if there's anything for the fans to take away tonight, and hopefully everyone's in agreement, I could see it um, from a slightly just sort of. I mean, I follows never the full sort of in-match attendance experience. It's always nice to be able to, you know, not miss a match when I'm, when, you know, when you're away from the county ground, but it is a poor substitute. Um, but some, you, you, the one thing that you just don't get following it on a laptop or um, or otherwise is, you know, that sort of accurate sort of barometer or vibe in the stadium. Um, and Jane, mm. and obviously there was a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, you know, positive, sorry, a lot, not positivity, apologies, a lot of um, um, uh, development improvement and and long may that continue i mean talk to talk to me jay about rochdale on saturday because again it's one of those weird we're in this sort of situation where i've said this quite a bit scott Lindsay's damned if he does damned if he doesn't at the moment because if we go and thump rochdale on saturday <clears throat> that result will be i don't think as a win it's going to do a huge amount in terms of affecting people's sort of attitudes going into stockport away and we could be back at this situation again very soon which sort of seems ludicrous but would you agree it's yeah, it's it's so just kind of just about Salford, uh, the, sorry not Salford, the um, the Orient game, just kind of the final had the feeling around the pitch leading into the into the next one was just in the stands. I feel like if we didn't have a strong final twenty minutes like we did, I feel like it could have turned a little. So I guess the word that I could have I could, you can use for it, it was kind of apathy. This to most of the game was just like. Uh, like we've had a slow start and it is what it is. I feel like that was the vibe that I find kind of, kind of found from like yeah. in the Legends Lounge a little bit. Um, yeah. It's not as toxic as Twitter would make it look, as, make, mm-hmm. as the socials make it seem. Um, but then I feel like the last, the, the fight from the last 15, 20 or whatever, however long it was, really kind of helped, I think, up like what they're trying to, like show what they're trying to do. Um, yeah. So it's it's yeah we started really strong, meh in the middle, and then had a really strong last ten, uh, fifteen, maybe twenty minutes. And without that, going into Rochdale could be quite could be quite toxic. But I think going into it, it's like yeah, let's get the win and start like let's just continue this run of this run of being of undefeat undefeat this run, undefeated run that we're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got you. Listen, Gabs. I'm going to doorstep you about team selection, mate. I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to to consider that ahead of um, uh, Rochdale at home on Saturday. Um, what um, what if any changes would you be making going into that game, buddy? Um, in order to set up to win, what 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 sort of lineup are you going with? 
or Gabs. You, I've, Hello. I've can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, mate. Did you get the good, question? Good. I'm probably the first person to use Twitter Space via CarPlay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would try to team Rochdale team low on confidence. You know, no wins from four. I would go a bit more attacking and start Darcy, I believe, in place of Williams. Because I, I don't know why. I just feel like Williams and Gladwin, you've kind of got a bit of the same player. So, I, yeah, I'd go Darcy over um, over Gladwin, maybe Williams. It depends. It depends if Williams could play two in one week. I'll start two in one week. Yeah. Um, that's probably about it for now. I'm, I'm, the jury's still out for me with Hutton. I, I, I want to see a bit more from him. I was about to ask you about him. Yeah, the report. Um, the report so I made to Jordy, so he doesn't go to many games. That he was um, went to Carlisle, and I'd say after about half an hour, my WhatsApp when I got the cricket pitch was bombarded with, "Why is he bottling fifty fifties? Well, doesn't he fancy it? Has he woken up yet? He's travelled to Carlisle. Why is he acting like he's got jet lag?" And um, then thanks to we, and I watched back through the highlights so I could see what he was on about. To be fair, but. Um, it's a, it's a weird one. I, I, I think I know everyone says don't look at the table early, but I've got a feeling you go and change. You know the team haven't lost now in three. We started we started well and on the front foot at Orient scored early. There's no excuse really that if we went and changed we could do it again. Score yeah. early. Yeah. Listen, I'll make you right. I mean, I'll tell you what. The uh, Listen, Hutton, Hutton was, um, for me, equally culpable with their equaliser, along with um, Fraser um, Blake Tracy last night. Um, I think, you know, the left-back's got to do better in trying to cut that cross out. Hutton's got to do better in terms of his spatial awareness. The player's right behind him. He had an absolute acre to finish that off. There was no block. Um, so, I think with the, the change to four at the back... Um, and I quite like Kieran Brennan. Um, I think he's very, very mobile. When he gives me the impression as a centre-back, he's one of those that could probably push out and play right-back. So I've got a, um, I've got a feeling that he offers you an opportunity to cover for Frenchie, who is obviously going to struggle to play two games in a week. Um, but I think we'll see Frenchie, uh, Frenchie returning. But I think more often than not, I think you're going to see Brennan, if we stick to that four at the back, I think you're going to see Brennan given an opportunity to push Hutton on the right. So potentially on Saturday. uh, But the one thing that that Hutton, I mean, got into some positions to cross. um, Certainly did a lot better in that respect against Salford. um, Just flattered to deceive, I think, last night. But I do think that Brennan will be the one that will be um, fancying his chances, forcing his way back into a back four, but maybe as a fullback as opposed to his preferred centre-back position. Mike, 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 if I bring you in at this stage, would you, are there any notable changes you'd make to the lineup, mate, having been there last night and obviously with us in search of our first win? Yeah. Um, so, to be honest, I, I, I missed a good portion of the first half when I was uh, sort of cleaning up after, after serving, but um, I caught most of the second half. And uh, yeah, I sort of agree with um, the fullback changes. To be honest, I'd like to see Brennan back in the back in the team once he's once he's healthy. Uh, give him a little stretch of games. Um, I do think I do think like the, the players at times they just sort of switched off. Like when you look at, when you look at the goal that um, we conceded against Orient, both of the fullbacks really I don't think they were they were as switched on as they could have been. They, they they both sort of you know I think Hutton lost his man and then he was the one who ended up scoring. And then on on the other end, obviously it was the winger um, for for, for Orient. He, he crossed the ball in for the. 
for the goal. So, you know, just a bit more sort of awareness, um, you know, tactical awareness, spatial awareness from from them, you know, marking their man, that kind of thing. I reckon that's that's that, that, that's going to be really important. So whoever, you know, out of our, our, our sort of full-back lineups, um, roster really, you know, who's who, whoever's got that defensive awareness, I reckon they should be they should be looking to to start. And how would you how would you feel? In fact, Chris, I'll put this to you if you fancy, or both of you. How would you feel? Because for me, I think um, a player that could probably do with a goal uh, or two, uh, just to sort of boost his confidence and help him settle in, is uh, Tommy Adeloy. I quite like the idea of playing a front three, uh, Tommy Adeloy and Wakelin and McCurdy playing off of him. If you see my logic, um, it's the big man, it's the two sort of small men either side, not a million miles away from how we finished last season with Josh Davison in the side. Um, is that something that you pursue or um, off the back of last night, are you of the opinion that we've got to keep Adeloy benched? Uh, personally, I'd, I'd I'd love to see Adeloy succeed in this side and like um, put putting putting McCurdy and Wakeley on the wings. I reckon that that could be um, you know uh, key to unlocking him. Really, um, I will admit he hasn't he hasn't really shown you know really impressed so far. But um, I'd like to think that there's a player in there. You know, I think he did quite quite well at A United. Obviously, I know it's a different league. You know, people have different opinions about the quality of the of the sort of Scottish league. But um, yeah, I'd. I'd really like to see him succeed. He's had a he's had a few a few good moments, uh, especially in the in the lead up to uh, the, 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 there was a there was a chance early on at Walsall where he sort of just um, muscled muscled this player over, and then uh, we, we we created our best chance of the game off the back of that. So he he he, he definitely can be used correctly, and uh, yeah, uh, it, I still think um, even if even if we we he, he, he does start performing well there, we we want to get another striker to sort of be uh, challenging for that for that that um, striker role really. All right, then, boys. Well, listen. I think that'll. Um, I think. I think that'll do us for this evening. Um, thank you ever so much for your reflections. Uh, those of you who were at the game last night, um, and Jay, uh, Chris, and Mike. Thanks ever so much for um, jumping in and um, firing the questions at, at Coxie. Um, tremendous to hear from all of you boys tonight. Absolutely amazing to hear from Simon Cox making his show debut tonight. Um, always great to hear from our weekly columnist from down under, Charlie Austin. Um, delighted to see that Charlie's reunited with the family uh, this week. Um, six weeks away from competitive action down there at Brisbane Raw. And we wish him all the best. So plenty more lifestyle catch up from Charlie next week where hopefully he's learned to uh, put a quilt inside a quilt cover. Um, and lay it on a bed. <laughs> um, but, but between between now and then, um, uh, from all of us that on Broadbent Lounge, thanks ever so much for lending us your ears tonight, guys. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you're listening live or listening on Catch Up, um, we will be uh, back with you live from the county ground from 12 o'clock on Saturday um, against Rochdale, where we're broadcasting live from the Legends Lounge, both pre- and post-match. We're going to have a roster packed full of guests, uh, packed full of opportunities to win some lovely stuff. So please do join us. Um, uh, we look forward to seeing you then. But for the time being, please remember that Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge is an unofficial Swindon Town fans' Twitter space does not represent the views of Swindon Town Football Club or Sir Tom Broadbent himself. I bid you a farewell. Good evening. Cheerio.